Our sermon is good news for mums who can't do it all. If you can do it all, we salute you. Uh, hopefully you can still get something from the message along with the rest of us who aren't mums anyway. So. Uh, first section, the madness of our modern mayhem. Have you noticed that life seems to be getting more stressful? We tend to become what we worship. When we figure we want to do it all, the abundance of opportunities and pressures and demands can become overwhelming. When we invite Jesus to be our one thing, he helps us sort through what's most important and to be at peace knowing what's really worthwhile. In view of our current health challenges, an expert recently recommended a best-selling book to us called When Your Body Says No, The Cost of Hidden Stress by Dr. Gabor Mate. It peels back the cover on the role emotions and psychological stress can play in chronic illness, including diseases such as breast cancer, prostate cancer, multiple sclerosis, Alzheimer's, and others. I was fascinated with the chapter on rheumatoid arthritis, which, from which my father suffered for many years. In his 40s, he became so debilitated he had to hire someone to be the dairyman while he went to Midwest Clinic in Excelsior Springs, Missouri for months of rehab. He learned ways to cope, such as dipping his hands in molten wax to soothe the pain. Finally, in his early 60s, Dad sold the cows and stuck with just crop farming. His arthritis improved amazingly. He lived to the age of 97. In later years, he would look back and attribute much of his arthritis to stress. The pace of modern life has been accelerating. We seem busier and doing more in less time, but are we accomplishing as much? In 2007, things took a quantum leap with the introduction of the iPhone. Now, everyone can carry their own personal computing device with them 24-7 and be at the mercy of whoever wants to contact you by text, instant messaging, email, video call, or even old-fashioned phone call. Congratulations. You have become infinitely interruptible, distractible. There's some concern among experts that we are losing our ability to think deeply. Notifications keep us shallow. You try to get into a book or significant planning, but your phone screams at you. Researchers tell us even when it's just sitting there within sight, you're distracted just by it being there. We're in danger of losing our capacity to concentrate. The little dopamine hits of messengers ding and scrolling down to those next items on social media get in the way of deep reflection and study. We become surfacites. Today's lesson is good news, not just for moms who find they can't do it all, but also for anyone who's become aware they tend to be distracted or feeling overwhelmed by all the background noise by which mega corporations seek to usurp our attention and hone the algorithm so they can augment their profit. Jesus shares an important lesson in helping us keep sane. A tale of two sisters. Just a couple miles from Jerusalem, on the east slope of the Mount of Olives, was a village called Bethany. Two sisters and their brother lived there, and it was a place Jesus visited a few times in his ministry. It seems like it was a welcome rest stop for him. 
10:38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Let's pause and consider these remarkably different sisters for a minute. For more detail, check out John 11 and John 12 as well. We see them there too. Martha seems to be the dominant one of the two, the one in charge. Luke says she opened her home to him. Martha took the initiative. She seems to be the more active of the two, while Mary's maybe more studious, more contemplative. Martha is practical. When Jesus orders the stone be removed from Lazarus' tomb, Martha objects that there will be a bad odor because her brother has been dead four days. Now, how's that for practical? Martha seems to be the one used to running the show, taking control and getting things done. She gripes to Jesus in 1040. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. That sounds like part plea, part demand. Ordering around the Savior of the world. When Lazarus dies and Jesus finally arrives after waiting for a while, Martha is the one who leaves the house and confronts Jesus with her complaint. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. She cuts right to the chase. Is there a note of blame in her voice? Martha is an activist. She's busy about something, moving the project ahead that needs to be done. Her motto might be, get her done. No time to waste. Yet, don't sell Martha short. She's very pious, orthodox. She trusts in Jesus, even when he seems to have let her dear brother simply die through delay. Martha can confess, John eleven twenty seven. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. What a model declaration of faith, even in the backdrop of severe grief and disappointment. Now, Mary, Martha's sister, is quite a different bird. She seems to be less practical, more emotional, more intuitive, a feeler. When Jesus arrives after Lazarus' death, Mary stays in the house rather than going out to meet him. It's Mary's tears that move Jesus deeply in spirit and trouble him to the point we get that precious, shortest verse in the Bible. John 11:35. Jesus wept. Later, after Lazarus is raised back to life and they're hosting Jesus again for a meal in John 12, it's Mary that takes an expensive pint of pure nard, pours it on Jesus' feet, and wipes his feet with her hair. Such a close bond between them. Mary's devotion is lavish, exuberant. She adores him. She gives him her rapt attention. All she wants to do is sit at his feet and listen to his words. We have two very different sisters. Martha is the doer. Mary is the beer. Martha is hustling about getting things done. Mary is totally absorbed in whatever the Savior is saying. Martha is all about the work. Mary is focused on the word. Meanwhile, 
All the time, the pressure in Martha's frustration gauge is growing steadily. Sooner or later, later she's going to burst. Appreciating the fuss that fostered us. It's Mother's Day. Let's just press pause here a minute and salute the mothers, or if our situation was different, or parents, or foster caregivers, or whoever invested in our lives when we weren't strong or old enough to be independent. Where would we be without the Marthas? Without all that our mother or parents or whoever toiled and sacrificed in order to care for us. It takes tons of fuss to foster a family, to nurture little ones. Martha's love language was acts of service. That's how she showed those closest to her that they mattered to her. It was rewarding for her on the inside to serve others and provide a caring, nurturing environment for them. Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy 5.14, So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. It says manage their homes. That's no small feat to manage a home. We should have the highest respect for women who are capably raising a family, feeding, and forming the next generation. Managing the home may also mean taking on employment and working outside the home to help provide income and paying bills and laying aside for future needs. Proverbs 31 has a daunting portrait of a woman managing her home that involves many pursuits inside and outside its walls. Now, just to caution here, she's a bit of a wonder woman. There's no guilt tripping here. But Proverbs 31 in the message She shops around for the best yarns and cottons and enjoys knitting and sewing. She's up before dawn, preparing breakfast for her family and organizing her day. She looks over a field and buys it then with money she's put aside, plants a garden. First thing in the morning, she dresses for work, rolls up her sleeves, eager to get started. She senses the worth of her work, is in no hurry to call it quits for the day. She's skilled in the crafts of home and hearth, diligent in homemaking. She's quick to assist anyone in need, reaches out to help the poor. She doesn't worry about her family when it snows. Their winter clothes are all mended and ready to wear. Has anybody broke out into a sweat? Oh, what a superwoman. Don't get discouraged or depressed. That's an ideal portrait. Martha probably has Proverbs 31 engraved on her wall. It's motivational as long as you don't let it weigh you down when things don't go perfectly and your best laid plans don't come to fruition. The dog pukes on the carpet. Your mother-in-law announces she's stopping by in five minutes and the house is a mess. Little school phones up and little Jane or little Johnny has a bloody nose. It's called life and it happens. I was very blessed to have a conscientious mom who managed her home well and more. Her job was at home because she and dad lived on a farm. Mom would rise with dad and be out at the barn at 6.30 in the morning to milk our 35 Holsteins. After breakfast, there was cleanup in the milk house and other daily chores. She had a large garden and did canning, freezing. She looked after the laundry. I remember an old ringer washer machine and the clothesline. 
There were school lunches to prepare and meals for a hungry husband and three growing sons who had hollow legs. We went through seven quarts of milk each day. Count them, seven quarts. In the evening, while Dad watched TV, Mom might be sitting at the dining room table doing mending with one eye on the show. Then there was all her church work, an active member of the women's church group, doing her Bible study for the weekly small group, and so on. Not to mention a thousand other tasks too numerous to go into detail about. Did I mention she kept the farm ledger and drew the picture of each new heifer calf to be registered with the Holstein Association? I was very blessed to have such a mother. Managing the home and launching three sons off to university and careers while assisting an arthritic husband required much fuss. Prioritizing the one thing that makes it all worthwhile. Take a bow, Martha. But wait, Martha doesn't seem to be happy. Yes, acts of service is her love language, but she's taken on so much she's about to blow her stack. She's in danger of bending her boundaries unhealthily. She makes a move to draw Mary into the madness of her mayhem. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, the Greek word translated distracted means to be driven about mentally, distracted, over-occupied, too busy about a thing. From a root spasmos, as in spasm, Martha's mental wiring is about to go spastic. How does Jesus sum up her condition? Verse 41, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. The word worried can mean anxious. She's suffering some severe anxiety. The word upset comes from a root like disturbed, a crowd or tumult. Martha's got so many things on her mind when she tries to go to bed at night, she has trouble quieting down the village of idiots in her head. Martha, the manager, the capable domestic engineer, has taken on so much it's overwhelming. Her thoughts tend in the direction of self-pity. You hear the whine of me, verse 40b, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Jesus had cautioned the crowds repeatedly about excessive worry in the Sermon on the Mount, back in Matthew 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day, has enough trouble of its own. You suppose the Lord of your life, the master of the universe, wants us not to worry? Worry can be subtle failure to trust our sovereign, loving God wholeheartedly. Bishop Fulton Sheen said, Worry is a form of atheism, for it betrays a lack of faith and trust in God. 
Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. NIV puts it, did they really have to be made? New Living Translation puts it, by the big dinner she was preparing. Hmm. Maybe it didn't have to be so big. One course would have done instead of several. Jesus probably would have preferred to have her listening rather than running around the kitchen stressed out. He observes she's worried and upset about many things. Verse 42, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Only one thing is needed. Commentators differ on whether Jesus was meaning just one dish was needed instead of a big production. But clearly the, the one thing Mary has chosen is to sit and listen rather than fuss over a complex menu. Jesus is emphasizing that is the good, the better thing. And he's not going to rob her of that by telling her she should go help her sister prepare a banquet. Are you a human doing or a human being? Jesus doesn't want your works. He wants you. He seeks your attention. He wants fellowship with you, interaction with you, quiet time alone with you where he can communicate the Father's will to you and you can align your wants and desires with his eternal and lasting purposes. He'd rather have just a bowl of soup or a peanut butter sandwich instead of a full course meal if it means he could have engagement with you. Mary was in tune with the psalmist who wrote, Psalm 27.4, One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Seek Him. Not feeling like you have to somehow earn His approval or impress Him by what a big spread you can put on, how much money you can make or things you can own, Sometimes our harried busyness is more for us than for him. Trying to impress others as if stuff will validate us, prove our worth. Mary was giving Jesus worth-ship by being attentive. Saying no to other opportunities or obligations that really weren't so important. Godly perspective, an eternal sense of values and what's really worthwhile may mean turning down opportunities others would jump at. Elaine Bennis was the spacey Seinfeld character played by actress Julia Lewis-Dreyfus. Her character evolved into something of a poster child for befuddled and disenfranchised females. Unlike her character, however, the actress, Julia Lewis-Dreyfus, is satisfied with her career, happily married, and the mother of two young boys. Centered and content, Louis Dreyfus tries to keep things in perspective when faced with the inevitable clashes posed by being both a star and a hands-on mother. She says, if one of my sons is sick and I have to work, it's a problem. I simply can't go. But what am I supposed to do, she says. Movie people are shocked when they hear, I will rarely travel to locations. They say, it's a tragedy for my career. But people in show business don't realize there's a life outside their universe. 
They don't know what they're missing. Unquote. There's a life outside their universe. I like that. Jesus wanted Martha to remember there's a life outside the kitchen. When we put him first, other details fall into place. We are freed from playing the gotta impress others to prove my worth game. What are some other strategies to avoid becoming distracted and worried like Martha? I've heard some advice to parent your phone. Carrie Newhoff recommends turning off all notifications so you check email or messages when you want to, not on someone else's schedule. Another person has their family at 8.30 p.m. each night put all their devices, phones, laptops, in a big black box to charge overnight. Some of you are reacting, ouch, I could never do that. But are we addicted to our distractions, like Martha? What is the better thing Mary has discovered that we too might discover if we were a little more disciplined in that area? If we made Jesus' teaching a higher priority. A penny for your worries. Jesus pointed Martha in the direction that could soothe her worries and distractions. She needed to center on him. Jesus knocks at the door of our heart, seeking fellowship between ourselves and him. Revelation 3.20 Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Knowing fellowship with him will help calm our worries and help us realize our worth rooted in him, not anything we can accomplish. One man who learned how to deal with worry was J.C. Penny of department store fame. James Cash Penny, uh, coming from a long line of preachers, grew up with deep convictions. He was unwaveringly honest. He never smoked or drank, and he was a hard worker. But in 1929, when the Great Depression hit, Penny found himself in crisis. He had made unwise commitments, and they turned sour. Penny began to worry about them, and soon he was unable to sleep. He, was, he developed a painful case of shingles and was hospitalized. His anxiety only increased in the hospital, and it seemed resistant to tranquilizers and drugs. His mental state deteriorated until, as he later said, I was broken nervously and physically, filled with despair, unable to see even a ray of hope. I had nothing to live for. I felt I hadn't a friend left in the world that even my family turned against me. One night he was so oppressed he didn't think his heart would hold out and expecting to die before morning, he sat down and wrote farewell letters to his wife and sons. But he did live through the night and the next morning he heard singing coming from the little hospital chapel. The words of the song said, be not dismayed, whate'er betide, God will take care of you. Some of you know that piece. God will take care of you. Entering the chapel, Penny listened to the song, to the scripture reading, and to the prayer. He recalled, suddenly something happened. I can't explain it. I can only call it a miracle. 
I felt as if I had been instantly lifted out of the darkness of a dungeon into warm, brilliant sunlight. All worry left him as he realized more fully than he had ever imagined just how much the Lord Jesus Christ cared for him. From that day, J.C. Penney was never plagued with worry, and he later called those moments in the chapel the most dramatic and glorious 20 minutes of my life. Let's pray. Lord, you know how easy it is for us to get worried and distracted, frantic even when we run into roadblocks and plans don't work out as we'd hoped. Help us, like Mary, to practice putting you first, listening to your voice, understanding your will and what's most needed instead of just whatever we want. Thank you for our mothers and others who parented and guided and fostered us towards becoming the people we are. Even when they're gone, help us realize we can be trusting you to carry out your plans for us. Use us to invest your love and caring in the lives of others too. In Jesus' name, amen.